and welcome to Wait, What? A podcast for the Savage Critic website. I'm Jeff Lester, and today uh, Graham and I are talking about comics. Uh, we will be reviewing comics in later installments of this week's episodes, I promise, but uh, this particular episode starts off pretty chatty and gossipy. So if you're looking for hardcore comic reviews, you should probably wait till episode two. Thanks for listening. We completely lost our internet this morning. And then it came back after me being on the phone with this poor woman. And it's one of those cases where you can tell they've obviously outsourced it to India or Korea or something. Mm -hmm. And she has a script where she is quite clearly supposed to say certain things, especially when people get agitated. And I was really pretty agitated. And so she's desperately trying to calm me down. She's like, I appreciate that you are upset. And I'm kind of like, fuck you. <laughs> that Yeah, when you said something about you yelled at somebody, I'm like, ooh, I would have paid so much money to hear that. Ooh. Yeah, other people said that as well. Um, is it that impossible to imagine me yelling? Um, Yes. Actually, maybe maybe Kate has a completely different experience, but the few times I've even seen you sort of start to get upset, you actually just get terse. You do not get any louder. So I can't I can't really imagine you yelling, you know, mostly 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 the terseness is there, but eventually it sort of bubbles over into sort of like an, an abrupt terseness, shall we say? Right. Right. But an abrupt loud terseness is what you're saying or that is what I'm saying. Yes. Wow, I can only imagine. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think I would be completely horrified if it, I was ever the victim of it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I can only I, it's, hope. It's unlikely that you're going to be, don't worry. Yeah, 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 I'll keep my fingers crossed, but, you know, maybe... Oh, you never know, Sa- San Diego. Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point in San Diego, I'll just snap. That's what I was kind of hoping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for hoping that I can stop. <laughs> I, I realize that sounded bad after I said it, if that makes you feel any better. That's what I'm hoping. Oh, no way. That's the wrong words. Exactly. Exactly. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but there's part of me that will be... Um, yeah, there's no way to phrase it. You're right. I, I totally apologize. Um, so comics, man. Do we want to talk about like the comics? Let's talk about the comics. Let's let's make it happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, wait. There is one question that, you know, remember from David Brothers' original batch of questions from way back when that, that he wanted answered? There was? Didn't we answer them all? Well, there was one that didn't get answered. And, okay, maybe this wasn't David Brothers. Maybe this was my question for you. Uh, and I thought it would be, like, edifying for, like, the, the readers... Uh, slash listeners of this podcast. So is it okay to ma- disclose the fact that you, you're you in Portland, Oregon? I don't think that that's going to... I, no, it, it, it definitely is. I'm pretty sure that I've said that um, publicly at some point. Yes. So... so yes. <laughs> it's I a can, big city. Yes. I don't think they're going to like find me just from that. that. That's sort of what I was hoping. But, you know, I wanted to respect your privacy just in case. So... No, no, that's fine. My question to you is as a resident of Portland, Oregon, do you feel the city it should more properly be renamed Comictopolis or Comictopia? Um, I was thinking of Comicsville because it, it doesn't it doesn't have the big city. It's not like New York, mm-hmm. but it uh, it is like ninety percent comic people. Yeah, it's kind of the numbers are crazy. It really is. And the, the crazy thing is also the people who don't live in Portland but live really close. Uh, Kurt Busiek and Gail Simone are pretty close to Portland. Are they? Which right? I, did, I, did, 
yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't realize they were, they were, I thought for some reason they were both East Coast. Mm-hmm. No, they're pretty close to here. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's it's um it's a very comic-centric location. I've been told, and I have no proof of this yet at all, that, um, like, Brian Michael Bendis is in our neighborhood. Is in your neighborhood? Yeah. Wow. Like, lives blocks from where I live. Um... I, I've never seen him, so I don't know. But I do know that his local comic store is my local comic store, so that, that would make some sense. Huh. Which comic store... Wait, can you disclose that, this on the podcast? Is that not worth uh, disclosing? I I can disclose. I, I'm not sure if they'd be grateful for it. Um, Excalibur Comics, which oh. is about 10 blocks from from where I live. Okay, so that's the one that you and I... that we walked to, right? Yeah. Yes, and that's why it's that's why it's my local because I can walk there in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, I actually really dig that store, as you know. So there, um, I there's, I mean, there's a lot of good comic stores here, though. Mm-hmm. There's Floating World downtown, which is just a great store, and there's Cosmic Monkey, which I've not been to, but um, everyone I know absolutely adores it. I, I know that Jeff Parker loves it. Um, Laura Hudson worked there, or maybe still works there, mm-hmm. um, so. Yeah, that that's a very popular store as well. And one day I will get there, but in my you know in our neighborhood we don't need to go anywhere else. So I just gonna stay. <laughs> well, I mean, for God's sakes, it's called Floating Monkey. I you should actually have nerd points taken off you for not no, having sad, sadly, already. There, there's Floating Worlds and Cosmic Monkey. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Floating Monkey? You did. Which we that's the store I'm going to open. Just that to is the people. saddest store ever. <laughs> The ground animal store. Yeah. Uh, floating monkey. No, I'm sorry. Cosmic monkey. No, drowned monkey would be so much worse. Drowned monkey. <laughs> See, to me, floating monkey totally sounds like drowned monkey. I'm sorry. It just sounds like the opening pages of a Greg Rucka comic to me. It, there's... Oh, a low blow for Greg Rucka. No, not necessarily. Also, also a local, by the way. <laughs> Important. We had to bring it back. No, he, he wouldn't drown a monkey. Exactly. He would. He would, like, drown a hard-bitten former private eye so that the monkey could then investigate, but the monkey would be a lesbian. Oh, so, in other words, you've already peeked at Greg Rucka's Angel and the Ape revamp, is what you're saying, huh? <laughs> Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? That kind of would. I would totally, I would totally buy that. I, if Greg Rucka did that, I would... Greg Rucka, first of all, if you're listening, I apologize for just making fun of you about two seconds ago. And secondly, please do that Angel and the Ape uh, yes. remake that... Yeah, just described. Angel is the ape, number one, you know. <laughs> Angel and the Ape, though, is one of those great, great comics. Isn't it? It's I'm... one of those, those, like, ideas that never really lived up to, or rather, the series never lived up to the idea. Mm-hmm. But I, it's one of those great ideas. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've, it's one that I, I wanted to do, like, crazy for, for years and years and years. Um, you know, it's kind of a very much as in in my let's rip off Grant Morrison phase. I, I just saw all the kind of awesome ways that you could do something with it, and then I don't know. You know, did you read the Chaka series? I did, I did, and I was I was kind of nonplussed by it. Yeah, I was really disappointed with it. I I thought it could have been so much better. It felt really lazy on behalf of everyone involved, even Philip Bond. It was just like. Pretty much what I expected from all of them, which is kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody really kind of brought their game. And I don't know, I, I think at the time, as I recall, like, Philip Bond's work is delightful, but 
I just I don't think slapping an Art Adams cover on on front of it like does it any No, it doesn't make sense at all. It's mm-hmm. such a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of kind of brutally so. It's it, it really is just a mistake. They're two awesome different styles, but they're very very different. So, yeah. No, so Philabon's much more squashy face. I'm sorry. Philabon's people Philabon's people all look like you've taken them and they squashed them slightly. Mhm. Mhm. He draws the, the best-looking dwarfs in comics. <laughs> I hope that he actually is sitting next to Greg Rucka while hearing this podcast and like, oh. Wouldn't that be the, be like, wait, he's talking about you. Oh, no, he's talking about me. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Greg Rucka, if you're listening, feel free to use the phrase, draws the best dwarfs in comics as your own if you want, you know. I mean, what are the odds of either of them listening, really? So let's just go crazy, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> exactly. Who's who's going to listen? I mean, see, there are pro- people who might actually listen. Greg Rock and Philip Bond probably not amongst them. Yes. So exactly. we should watch what we say by some people. Oh, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I see. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> see, this is, this is the miracle of Graham. You actually know the powers of discretion and when to use them, so... No, I don't. See, I say that, and then at some point later on, I'll forget that I was thinking that, and be like, and then so-and-so said blah, 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 and they will hear it and hate me. (laughs) Actually, I'm really impressed with your powers of managing to make people hate you for no reason anyway. Like, Thanks. It's a skill. It's something I've worked (laughs) on. Well, you always seem kind of surprised by it, too. I mean, you know, just the number of, like weird potential comic feuds where somebody's pissed at you for you saying something that was entirely you know at best mildly unpleasant but usually kind of kind I'm aiming for like a Gail Simone type thing because mm-hmm. uh, were you following the Gail Simone Mark Wade's feud on Twitter uh sort of I, I saw Mark Wade's she end was, of it she was saying things that like to me genuinely seemed mean like, I know she's friends with Mark Wade, and I know that, obviously, like, they can rib each other. Mm-hmm. But she was saying things that, honestly, I was like, wow, I can't believe you're saying that, and he won't get upset. <laughs> like, she was she was making fun of his, like, of no one buying his Flash revamp from, like, a couple of years ago. And, like, just be brutal. And I was thinking, there's got to be a line somewhere where it's like, haha, that's not funny. Right. But no, she was completely just, yeah, so if, if I could be Gail Simone-esque... Wait. Say the truth in uh-huh. such a way that, you know, people would laugh it off as opposed to think, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Then that, that would, I would have arrived. Well, it's good to have a goal to shoot for, Graham. I think that's a, I think that's a good one, you know? It's like, say the <laughs> truth, not have people hate me, you know? I mean... Oh, I thought you were talking about my wanting to become Gail Simone. I thought there was, there was a, a inner joke in there somewhere. <laughs> Well, there's a sight gag, certainly. I mean, <laughs> um, okay. Give me a red wig. I'm telling you, I can pull it off. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so you've answered my, my Portland question far better. I thought I was asking you a trick question, but yes, Comicsville is a delightful um, name for the town. Hopefully they'll You could just it call it Stumptown after the, the convention, of course, because everyone calls it Stumptown anyway, so... 
Yeah, but Stumptown, Stumptown just says Stumptown, you know what I mean? It doesn't say comics, you know, to me. Yeah, but as soon as everyone realizes that Stumptown is such, like, a great local convention, because everyone who goes to Stumptown comes away going, that's the greatest convention I've ever been to. So as soon as that keeps happening, mm-hmm. then eventually Stumptown would just become, like, a comics thing. Mm-hmm. And a, the coffee place, that's it. Coffee and comics, together. <laughs> that apparently is... Uh... I don't know, Graham. I think you're getting a little um, too... Your your plans, your infinite largesse are sort of goofing with my whole, like, no, you want it, like, you know, you don't want anything, like, super sophisticated, like, Stumpin' Coffee Town. You want, like, Comicsville or... Stumpin' Coffee Town. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, which really, if you think... Stumpin' Coffee. It sounds like it should be, like, Rumpelstiltskin or something. It's Stumpin' Coffee. He's a magical midget who'll give you a great cup of joe. As drawn by Philip Bond. So, exactly, there you go. Who could make him look stylish and sexy. <laughs> See, now as far as I'm concerned, we really have mapped out the Angel is the Ape miniseries because we've got our <laughs> protagonist, our antagonist, our setting. Um, and now we have the villain, we have the whole thing. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. We just have to come up with some sort of um, tasty egg MacGuffin. And, uh, we're you, you were talking about coming up with pitches for San Diego. There is a pitch for you. Yes, and I certainly may use it. Um, how is it, How has that been going? Are, are the pitches, are they flowing? Because every, t- every time you talk about that, all I can think is, I can't think of a pitch to save my life. Uh, like, I, I, can't, I can't even imagine being faced with you know, Nick Lowe or, or Axel Alonso or someone saying, what are your three best ideas for the X-Men? I'd be like, I have no idea. Right. Well, and in theory, that's why you sort of work those things up in advance. And uh, honestly, my, some of my pitches are, you know, I, I think the best thing you can do is you figure out what you're going to be pitching on uh, and then you spend about 10 to 20 minutes staring at the computer screen and then you make sure to put a notepad by your bed stand when you go to bed that night because when you wake up in the dead of night, that's when you're going to think of stuff. And, of course, half of it's going to be completely insane shit. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to cover all my... Save that until you're really popular and then you can get away with murder. Yes. Like, when you've made your name on, you know, whichever book at Marvel or DC... And they're like, what do you want to do now, Jeff? That's when you bring out the notepads from, like, this summer. And you're like, well, I've got an Angel and the Ape revival. Absolutely. For. Yeah, exactly. No, and, and uh, who knows? I'll keep my fingers crossed, and maybe someday I'll get, get my hands on Angel and the Ape. But, uh, no, the pitches are, like, um, I, I kind of need to come back and revisit, like, the, the the Marvel and the DC stuff. Um, I tried to come together with some, uh, pull together some uh, some IDW things, you know, so it was like, gee, if I had a, if I had a Transformers pitch and if I had to pitch Star Trek, like, a one-shot or a backup, like, what would I do? So, um... And if only you watch Doctor Who, because I swear I think you could do a great Doctor Who story. But you don't watch it, so it's, I, it's alien to you. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I just, I have no affinity for it. And, and while in the Transformers, frankly, I, I tried to, I downloaded a couple of uh, IDWs, like 99 cent, you know, iTunes comics things to read. And I was just, um, 
I mean, that was kind of encouraging because I was like, wow, this stuff is really, I mean, and part of it's the IDW, you know, God bless. It's a, it's like one panel per screen. So reading one of those Transformers things, I don't know if that's really a full comic. It reads like an eight page comic that, you know, with five sure. panels per page, it's just been chopped up. Um, well, Transformers, Transformers comics these days, I mean, I remember reading them as kids. Mm-hmm. And Transformers comics nowadays, I can't get my head around at all. It's turned from... I mean, Transformers to me is a really basic concept. It's a giant robot beating up another giant robot because they're goodies and they're baddies, and that's pretty much it. And now because they're like, well, everything has to have motivation, it, I can't get into it. It's like all of a sudden it has gone from being the most basic idea ever to being 40 years worth of X-Men continuity at the levels of impenetrable. Yeah. I, I, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It well, and and from what I can tell from doing the research on the web, they're not even sure. Like, I mean, it sounds like they've sort of rebooted it for you know they're following the movies reboot, so they're bringing things back in. It's sort of like Ultimate Transformers almost, so you don't have to keep track of all the stuff that was going before. Because sadly for Io Nine, I know that there's like at least five different versions of Transformers, and IDW is publishing. Three of them oh, at the same time. Right. That's right. You, I totally forgot. You did that awesome Transformers article. That was really that came the week after I did all this other research <laughs> on Wikipedia. And, and you're like, like, God damn it! <laughs> if only I had been a little lazier, I could have totally. Um, but that that one dude, uh, Simon, what's his name? Simon Herman. Yeah, yeah. Who's been writing Transformers for years? I mean, since I was a kid, and he's still the main writer practically. Yeah, I mean, that's really, that's a talent. I mean, he was so, his stuff is so hugely popular. Um, you know, it's kind of if, you know, Bill Mantlo, God bless, had, you know, never been in an, in his accident and was still sort of chipping away at ROM somewhere and people were, like, paying him to do it. I mean, he's got, did you, you must have seen this in your research. They actually have stories and novels that were done as, like, con exclusives that he wrote. Yes. Yes, and and not only that, Hasbro pays for some of these con exclusives. The toy company has given the fans the license to do some of these con exclusives. That, I mean, that boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could never imagine Marvel or DC being like, hey, kids, you really like, you know, whatever, uh, Changeling from the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Here, have a Changeling convention and we'll let you print up your own comic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it is. It's kind of mind-boggling. And what, but what's also kind of amazing is that they went to this dude, and and he's the guy. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of great because most fans, given their druthers, are going to break out their like. At last, it's the time for me to tell the Transformers, Opticon, Unicron. You know what I mean? Crapticon story crossover. No one's expected, but they all like go to this guy, and he is kind of this kind of wacky Transformers prophet who gets to tell his insanely convoluted Gnostic textile, you know, robot stories. And crazy thing is he's one of these guys who did that, started off at that because that was part of his job. He <laughs> was an editor of Marvel UK. They needed Transformer stories. He was pretty much like, well, I guess I have to start doing it. Yeah. And cut to 25 years later and he's still doing it. Like that is what he's become known for. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's pretty crazy stuff. So um, you have to wonder if he can go back in time and think I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, 
Oh, I'm sure. I, I don't want to make I don't want to make that decision because 25 years from now, that's all I'm going to be known for. I'm going to be Simon the Transformers Furman. Yeah. You know, I I think there's probably a point at like I don't know. I'm sure there's been lots of moments where it's it's like the last thing he wants to do. But you know, as far as like a regular gig goes, I mean, you know, and, and particularly kind of in this weird realm of I mean, I don't know how much he has to run these con exclusives past the licensing guys, but you know, he's kind of got an authority in the field. You know really it's probably better it's probably a better gig than writing spider-man i mean it doesn't pay as well but you can kind of he can do all this stuff that he wants to do provided that he actually does in fact want to do it well i I just i mean this sort of thing in larry hammer with gi joe as well i Mm -hmm. i find amazing that writers can become so involved in something that they didn't create and pretty much did because it was part of like it was part of their job. Do you know what I mean? They had no special desire to do it, right? And they did it just because it was a paycheck, and they become so part of the community mm-hmm. that yeah. You know, I mean, Larry Hammer was consulting in the GI Joe movie. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, you yeah. know? Yeah, I know. And it's just that sort of thing. Just I find on one hand, it's got to be great for them because they pretty much are always going to have that fan base. Mm-hmm. And that fan base will do their best to support them, even in new projects. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you've got to just be trapped by that after a while. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you do have to be. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle being trapped with Sherlock Holmes, except kind of a million times more retarded, kind of. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the other hand, I to me, I'm kind of like. What I find really impressive is Larry Hama's, you know, he really does have some skills. I mean, he's got, tr- he, I, I think his G.I. Joe stuff is really well done. And there's something to be said for have, bringing a commitment to quality to what you're doing to the level where you kind of become this sort of bizarro authority on it. Where people are like, no, he's your go-to G.I. Joe guy. Because really, there's nothing in theory that should be more replaceable than the guy on G.I. Joe, you know? Yeah, I, and I mean, I, again, haven't read any of the recent G.I. Joe stuff, mm-hmm. but um, the Marvel Comics G.I. Joe stuff from when I was a kid was great. And yeah. I remember it's this very um, subversive comic mm-hmm. as well, because mm-hmm. I mean, wasn't Cobra Commander a former car salesman who got involved in a pyramid scheme or something like that? There, he's got the greatest, weirdest... Um, satirical origin yeah. of any bad guy. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that. All all I knew is that because I was slightly older, it's like my little brothers would pick up the comics when they when they could or whatever, and I picked it up and I was kind of shocked. Like this has like um, it had continuity, it had subplots, but they were really they. It wasn't as crazy crazily convoluted as the other marvel comics at the time on the other hand they were these amazing like story threads like this you know fight between ninja one and ninja two you know like you could follow this stuff and it actually had you were emotionally invested in it i thought that was kind of astounding that you could get that out of you know out of out of a book like that at the time you know my my entirely latent G.I. Joe nerds just kicked in, and I was like, it's Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow Jeff, not Ninja One and Ninja <laughs> See, that's a problem. I say, that, I say that as someone who hasn't read the comics in, you know, 20 years or something. But I completely was like, don't you get their names wrong. 
Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. That's why I had okay. to jump over it. Yeah, because for me it would have been like, um, you know, uh, Stormized and Drowned Monkey. You know, like I totally would not have been able to keep it straight. Or Floating Monkey. I, I just wouldn't have been able to keep it straight. I it, I knew Storm Shadow, but I'm like, what's the, the guy in the black suit called? The one who's awesome? Like, awesome guy? Yeah, Snake Eyes. <laughs> awesome Eyes. <laughs> Oh, that would be great. See, now I've got a story to pitch. It's like uh, the Snake Eyes family tree. Like his sister could be like... <laughs> They're all eyes. They're all eyes. Four like, eyes. Four eyes. Hungry eyes. Isn't that the bad 80s song? You know, just like... <laughs> Gimlet eyes. Are you thinking of Hungry Like the Wolf? No, 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 no. That horrible Hungry Eyes song. Isn't that from like Dirty Dancing or something like that? Uh, you've got me there. I, I, my dirty dancing knowledge is is sadly replaced by my Transformers and GI Joe knowledge. Oh, damn you, Mister! Like I know everything, but I've never heard the song "Hungry Eyes." All right, hold on. I love yeah. that you're looking it up. Is I it am. "Hungry Eyes"? It, it's "Hungry Eyes," and it's from Dirty Dancing. It's okay, a... I'm. I approve of your incredible knowledge of um, Patrick Swayze movie soundtracks. Oh, oh, ouch. Okay. Um... <laughs> Nice. Come on, what was the song from Roadhouse? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're, if I can figure out a way to send you this link so that you can... I'll just do that later. Either that or I'll edit it into this podcast. Yeah, you totally should edit it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this really isn't anything that the, everyone else wants to hear, but I will tell you one of the Transformers stories, one of my Transformers story pitches, because I'm hoping that you'll like this one. So okay, uh, and I think it would be I, like a, I was gonna say after after you do that, we should hang up and then go back because I think we're gonna hit the thirty minutes. Everyone starts to go weird. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks. The auto tune. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this Transformers pitch is it's this long running battle that's been going on for like you know thirty years. It's like a cold war between one Transformer who's like a cigarette machine in a bar and this other Transformer, which is this guy's cigarette lighter. And they've been fighting (laughs) over this guy for like 30 fucking years, you know, just watching each other, waiting for the maneuver to bust out. You know, they're both ready to jump in at any minute because he's got, you know, some key to whatever the hell the MacGuffin that the Transformers would be chasing after. But that would be my bat. That would be my Transformers story: is a battle between a cigarette lighter. I mean, uh, yeah, a cigarette lighter and a cigarette machine for this guy. That's soul. the greatest idea ever. But it's so not a Transformers story. Like it is, but you couldn't do it with the official Transformers because there's no way they'd say yes. But if you did it for anything else, like if you did it for one of the Dark Horse anthologies or something, that'd be story. You you think? Do you think Dark Horse I anthologies totally would be? Hmm. I'm sure you could do that for like creepy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor creepy. The receptacle Sean, of all my story sh- ideas. I was going to say, Sean Agor, or whoever's editing it, listen to Jeff. Do that idea. Dude, I just think that it would be so much more hilarious as an actual Transformers story, you know? No, but then everyone would go mad. They'd be like, since when has a Transformers been a cigarette machine? <laughs> that's, that's you know, I have checked and Soundwave's always been a cassette recorder. I'm very upset. Because... <laughs> That's the thing, like, you're dealing with people who are really seriously into this fandom. Right, right. So any ch- any change you make, you will be killed for. They won't find it funny. Other people might find it funny, but they won't read the comic because it's a Transformers comic. See, I think, I think as an eight-page 
backup back page, you know, where it's like these are two Transformers characters because you've never seen. It's like those um, dudes, you know, who end up fighting World War Two on some island long ago, not aware that the that the war's been over for years and years. These guys were assigned to watch this one dude, and then they completely the communication fell out, and so they're just fighting this absurd battle that they don't even know what they're fighting over, you know, and and of course in the most absurd forms possible. I think it's a great story. I just don't think you would ever be allowed to do it with Transformers. Ah, well. Well, this is... GoBots! Start the GoBot revival right now. (laughs) GoBots. Do you not remember GoBots? GoBots were like shitty Transformers. Yes, I remember. Although, what did they turn into? I mean, like... Like cars and, and bikes and stuff again. Like, they were just cheaper version of the Transformers. Right. So they didn't turn into cheaper products, you're saying? You're just saying they're just a cheaper version of the Transformers. They're, yeah, they were literally just a cheaper version of the Transformers. Okay, so they still turned into cars, but it's not like they had to turn into, like, gremlins or less expensive cars or something like that, right? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm turning into a Skoda! <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of great. It's like, ah, oh, what is this defective Atari 2600 where the joysticks don't work? You know, it's me, Video Gametron, you know, or or I guess in that case it'd be like the Odyssey or... I don't know what's what crap video game consoles did you guys have over in? Uh, we we only had Atari. We had Atari and Pong. That was it. That was and it. And then we then we graduated onto like the Commodores and the BBCs, and then the um, Amstrads, the Spectrums, which I don't think you ever had over here. No, that was the that was the little Scottish ones, weren't they? The Spectrums. <laughs> Scott. No, I'm serious. Like, wasn't there? Oh no, I'm thinking of the Sinclair. What? The Sinclair. The sa- yeah, Sinclair Spectrum was the same thing. Oh, okay. But they were English machines. I thought, like, there was some sort of strange joke I didn't get there. Like, Spectrum, that's a Scottish word. (laughs) I'm sorry, I've taken off of your crazy Transformers noise, which really... (laughs) It was like, they're transforming into dogs. (laughs) There we go. That would be great. Um, Yeah, okay, so I I apparently don't get, like, full point. Well, I wasn't trying to do, I was trying to do a GoBot noise. No, I gotta admit, I was totally doing, (laughs) my Transformer noise sounds a lot like a duck. I totally admit it. Um, It was like a dog barking. The, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it sounds fine over here, man. It's like a dog asking a question. You know, I think it's just because the call's breaking up, Graham. You're just not hearing it right on your end. That's the problem. The best part is, if you put this live, you can then edit in, like, the real Transformers noise every time you've been doing that noise. And everyone will be like, Graham, what are you talking about? That's a perfect impression of the crazy noise they made when they transformed. It's tone perfect, yeah. Exactly. It's as if he's actually got the actual sound effect machine there. Which we all know is impossible, therefore he must be flawlessly imitating it. Yeah, um, that'll fool everyone. Okay, so uh, it's 3122. I'm going to hang up and call you back, and then we will talk about the comics that we have read and liked and or disliked. I, I, yes, I will, shall talk to you in a second. And if we are, do end up putting this online, goodbye for now, listeners.